we're all here and uh, just anyway, so my brother usually kicks it off with just inter- introducing the podcast. The amazing new Westport Library and iTunes proudly presents Oh Brother, Not Another Podcast with me, Trace Burroughs. And me, Mix Burroughs. And it's our uh, great pleasure to have with us today. This is uh, Monday, April 20th. Uh, to have our Westport's first selectman, Jim Marpy, and our chief of police, Fody Koskinas. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, nice work. <laughs> and, and Elaine Dano, uh, director of human services in Westport. And obviously a lot going on. I thought we'd just start off with uh, our first selectman, maybe giving us the state of the town uh, quick report on what's, what's the latest. Well, thank you. Thank you, and, and Migs and Trace. It's good to be back with you. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I, I don't know if I kicked off your first podcast, but I kicked off your first yes. podcast at the new library, the Transformed Library. It was the first last one. Summer. Yeah. Uh, those, were, uh, those were maybe happier days at the <laughs> time, or at least uh, more optimistic days. But uh, having said that, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic where we are as a community as we're uh, Trying to deal with the uh, the COVID nineteen uh, virus out there and 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 how we're working with it, uh, you know the town uh, got off to a, uh, a pretty challenging start, and, and we all know that uh, uh, perhaps we had uh, more uh, more cases of people testing positive than uh, most of the communities around us in uh, early March. Uh, the good news is we've been preparing uh, for the eventuality of the coronavirus reaching this part of the country. So we were, uh, we were ahead of the game in terms of structuring uh, our, our responses and reaction. And, uh, and certainly Chief Koskinas and Elaine can talk about uh, their, the dimensions that relate to them. Uh, but uh, the, uh, on, uh, I guess it was March uh, 12th or 13th, it hit us square on as we closed the schools essentially uh, closed town hall to uh, uh, to residents and uh, most of our public facilities. And pretty quickly thereafter, uh, that weekend, put some restrictions on you know, parks and beaches and, and so forth. And we've improved upon those al- along the way. Uh, and while we, uh, like I said, we got off to kind of a challenging start with the number of people who tested positive, uh, over time, that, uh, that curve uh, has uh, begun to, to to taper off, and in fact, at one time, at Westport on a per capita basis, had the uh, highest uh, number of test positive tests in the state of Connecticut against all of the 169 wow. municipalities. We're now at uh, number 85 in terms really? of that. I, I take no great solace in that. I mean, that all that means is. Uh, the cities and other communities throughout Connecticut, but particularly Fairfield County and New Haven County, uh, have been impacted by this. Uh, we uh, we have two known deaths within Westport or directly with Westport citizens. But again, compared to other communities, we've been very fortunate to uh, how we've gotten by uh, in terms of the impact on individuals. And this is a long way of saying a couple of things. Uh, I, I think our community as a whole has acted responsibly. Uh, and once we understood that the, the virus was among us and uh, we had to begin socially uh, self-isolating, uh, socially distancing, 
all the words we've were never familiar with before, <laughs> but now are on a regular basis. Um, but I think that's a, partly a tribute just you know to the nature of of the people who live in Westport, uh, highly educated uh, 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 people who are thoughtful and 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 who want to take action and take appropriate action. I think under the guidance of, uh, of the town leadership, our public health officials and so forth, uh, we've seen actually for me, remarkable uh, obedience, if you will, to, mm -hmm. uh, to some of the rules we put forward and, and some of the behaviors we've, we've asked people to do, uh, particularly in as spring has set in and uh, it's natural to want to be outdoors and, and be with people. We've managed to get by uh, two major religious holidays uh, with participation in houses of worship that uh, has been uh, fairly unique. Uh, something I noticed yesterday as I was just driving around town and seeing how people were behaving on what was a relatively nice spring day. And I've noticed this over the last couple, three weeks, uh, and, and Migs is a runner, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I've noticed more and more families running together. Yeah. Uh, dad, mom, kids of all ages. And, and you know, just, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to see. I, I don't know how to say it. It's, uh, uh, I, in normal times, uh, dad would probably run, uh, you know, nine o'clock in the morning or something. And mom would run with her friends another time. And the kids, who knows what they do for exercise. But uh, just seeing, a certain amount of family participation, and certainly as people are uh, isolating themselves in homes, uh, that that has to be a, a positive outcome, I believe, of of what's going on. But uh, I also, uh, and the reason I've asked uh, Fody and, and Elaine to join us, is they're representative to me of of the reality of how we've been able to uh, respond and organize the, the town, the experienced professional department heads, uh, public health uh, uh, service people, and our first responders. Uh, Westport is, uh, is very, very fortunate to have the kinds of people who, uh, who work for our community or dedicated uh, to the, the success of the community. That carries over to the public schools as well, uh, that uh, the response of the, of the public schools, once we understood uh, that uh, the COVID was truly in the community, uh, the quick reaction uh, to, to close the schools and maintain that, uh, that posture is, is I think, uh, remarkable and, uh, and remarkable how the community has, uh, has responded in so many ways. But the other reason I wanted to bring, uh, bring a first responder and, so, and Elaine representing our human services department, this is a little different kind of an emergency. Uh, in the past, our uh, emergency team, uh, at least the, the recent past and most of our memories, has been geared toward uh, natural disasters, uh, hurricane, uh, blizzard, whatever, where you know it's coming, you see it coming, it comes and it's there for a day or so, uh, and then uh, we begin the cleanup, but typically within a couple of weeks, um, uh, you know, things are back for most people back to normal. Uh, even 9-11, when you think about it, uh, uh, within a month or two, most people were going about their, their lives differently. I mean, we, we changed behaviors, but boy, if you think we changed behaviors after 9-11, 
think about the behavioral change that'll have to, to come now. And so in that respect, this is much as a human services, sociological, psychological, mental health challenge, both short run and long run, as it is a traditional public safety emergency responder challenge. So that I, I thought for purposes of the podcast, it might be nice to hear sort of the uh, different perspectives that, uh, that come from that, uh, that different emphasis. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and thank you all really for, you know, I mean, it's been very reassuring and comforting to know, you know, you get these reports uh, that you release and then Dan Wu, you know, reissues them, um, you know, to keep us all, I mean, information is, is the key, I think, and, and you've provided a lot of that. So I'm just curious, Chief, how, how have your priorities, like when you walk in the door of the police station every morning now for the last month, how, how have your priorities changed versus, you know, January, February, any other any other day of the year. No, th thanks, Megs, and, and Mr. Markey, thank you for the kind words. Uh, Megs, I, I started in uh, 1996, and I came in at a pretty volatile time in law enforcement back then. Uh, in the last 24 years, there's there's been so many times that the police department has had to reinvent itself and redefine what we do and how we do it. And I can't emphasize enough that uh, th this is completely different. Thank God to good training and preparation and cooperation and collaboration amongst our department heads that we're able to do what we're doing and, and the leadership that trusts trust the department heads to do what they're doing. But uh, on, on our end, we've really had to redefine. Uh, a lot of it is how do you keep people coming into work, doing what they're supposed to be doing when there's so much unknown? It's an invisible threat. It creates all sorts of anxiety. It creates all sorts of stress. Uh, I can tell you out of the 60 police officers here, 63 police officers here, uh, every one of them, including me, much rather hear that there's an armed subject. We know what we gotta do. We know we have the proper tools to do what we have to do. And we know that the threat ultimately will be eliminated. This is very different. This is very different. And we find ourselves in the same place that you would when bad things happen, you know, as a regular civilian, when there's a threat, the police has better tools to deal with it. We have weapons, we have bulletproof vests. We have... None of those tools apply in this case. It is completely different. We're asking our personnel to go in, do their job, do it well, treat everybody with the utmost respect. And yes, you're putting yourself in harm's way, but you're also putting your family in harm's way when you go back home. Uh, that type of anxiety and stress it is very difficult to overcome at times. And I think the guys are doing a tremendous job, but it goes back to the leadership throughout town. We have a very supportive community. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, we have people that really care about what the officers are doing and how they're doing it and that we have the right tools to do it. So yes, as much as our lifestyle has changed and uh, how we handle things and how we move forward, there's also a lot of good. I, I don't think there should be a police chief sitting where I'm sitting today not thinking of how we redefine ourselves as we go back into re-entering whatever the new norm should be or how we treat our personnel, how we get the proper tools. Every one of us should be thinking a financial side of it because at a time like this, the simple answer would be, you know, we're, we're law enforcement. You, you need us and you need to do this and you need to do that. That's, that's not the case. My management team and I, under Mr. Marpy's uh, direction, we're also trying to find ways how we can save money, how we can spend the dollars that we have in a better way, how we can stretch things, how we can use technology to our advantage, and, and really how we can put the public at ease. And the phrase I've been using lately, I think, and I shared it with Mr. Marpy, it, it's, it's not reopening our economy, it's reopening our community. 
And mm -hmm. by reopening our community, ultimately the economy follows suit. So that being said, I don't want to take up too much time. I can certainly answer. There's all sorts of questions. And I think uh, Elaine has her challenges because ex ex the same reason that I stated. But uh, I'm very grateful to our community. I'm grateful to the leadership of the town and the resources that have been given to us and the tools because it's a difficult time that we couldn't be where we are and prepared as we are if it wasn't the case. So I, I thank everybody very much for that. Oh, well, thanks for that. Yeah, we'll jump, we'll try to maybe if we have time, jump back and forth and ask some questions, but I'll get to Elaine because, uh, I mean, we've had some communications recently because I, I helped, I did a little graphic for a project. But yeah, I think people would be amazed to, to, to know, and I only know because of knowing Elaine and what's going on, but, um, you know, the percentage, I think, it, what is it, 4.3% of Westport's population is subsidized or what, how would you, what's the terminology? in well, it's really that amount of people that um, would qualify under the federal poverty income limits. So when, when you look at that number, it's quite a low number. And frequently in Westport, you don't think of individuals in Westport having that kind of financial need. That also, um, you don't put into consideration the cost of living in Fairfield County. So we do kind of have different levels of income that we look at when we are requested um, to have to provide financial assistance to an individual or a family. Um, you know, something that's interesting about this particular situation that we're in now is there are many families that have been living paycheck to paycheck and doing okay and, and making it work. Um, and, and for some of those may have come through our doors here and there in human services in room 200 where we do most of our social services um, programming um, who we might be able to help you know, with something short-term crisis-wise, and then they go on their way and they continue to, um, you know, work and, and provide for their families. I think what's different here um, today is that many of those families that were doing okay before and um, are now unemployed or underemployed. And so we're having a hard time, um, they're having a hard time putting food on the table and that's just the first layer of their issues because with comes unemployment, in addition to the anxiety and the depression and all those unknowns that we're talking about, um, you know, they might be looking at a moratorium on their rent or, you know, maybe they can push off their mortgage a month, um, but this isn't loan forgiveness. So um, a lot of the people that are um, taking maybe a little comfort in the fact that they have a break and a respite, um, in a month's time, the anxiety is just going to shoot back up because they know that, you know, come May 1st or whatever date comes along, that they're going to have to pay back all those arrearages. So, um, you know, that's been really hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around because traditionally people think that people in Westport or everybody's doing okay and it's just simply not the case. And even people that were doing great, um, you know, myself included, I have a family and I'm very grateful to be employed and be able to work every day um, but you know there's no sure thing and you know yeah you, you always have to be thinking about how other people are handling it um, I would just sort of sort of um, piggyback on what Fodi had to say in regard to um, you know the things that we look at start with the basic needs like food and food insecurity and thank you Migs for helping us with the food fund logo I love it I want to keep using it but we, that was a quick um, one-shot deal where um, we had a wonderful community member, uh, Dan Levinson, who helped us to sort of start some seed money and see if we could, could raise enough money to try and help as many families as possible. 
um, we had amazing success in less than a week. We, we you know, surpassed our original $50,000 goal and ended up with about $113,000. All of that money will go to families in need um, and individuals. So we're starting some food distributions this week. Um, we've already been providing gift cards and trying to help people with that immediate anxiety provoking concern. Um, and that's been amazing, the amount of um, community collaboration, both with just individual generous community members giving their time and their efforts. And um, we also have a lot of great other agencies that we're working with, like Homes with Hope, like the Housing Authority, where we're coming together, as we always have, to try and make sure that everybody's needs are being met. So that's, that's a big piece of it. I'm just curious, and some people have asked me, how is the food, it's not a food bank per se, is it, do they get vouchers? How is that food fund money, to, how is the food distributed or how does it get to the, you, you know? Good question. So it's actually a little bit of both. So when we first started out, we had really been um, relying on gift cards, food gift cards for residents for a couple different reasons. One, the town of Westport doesn't have their own pantry. We rely on the Westport Women's Club. They have a pantry that they, um, they procure the, the food and then we call them and they will fill a food order on our behalf and they would bring it to town hall. Um, now because town hall is closed to the public and we of course have to protect the confidentiality of our clients, um, we do have a, a few of our uh, Westport um, Women's Club volunteers delivering to driveways of homes for those people that need it. Um, those are people that have a hard time getting to the grocery store. Maybe they don't have transportation, but we're really doing a lot of gift grocery gift cards um, as needed. Um, and now with this money, we are actually looking to roll out starting this week in a small capacity um, family meals, which will be distributed through Staples High School, sort of as an addition to the free and reduced lunch program that the Westport Public Schools are doing. We are also working with the Southwest Connecticut Agency on Aging. They have a federal senior nutrition program. So we, are, we continue to do our home delivered meal program. We are now doing a drive-through for select seniors who had relied on the congregate meal program, which was the hot meal program at the senior center. And um, actually getting to the next phase, which will be actually providing groceries to people on a drive-through basis. And that's probably about a week out. So we suspect that we will, um, you know, continue to build on those individuals we've been working with up to this point, and then most likely several new families that we may not have known before that will be eligible to come through and, and get food as they need it. Oh, thank you. Uh, Trace, did you have any? Well, I, I had a question for um, the chief. Uh, what is the number one, like, people call your office station and in regards to the what's going on, that, like a complaint or something, what, what's the number one thing that keeps on coming up? Uh, that, that has changed drastically, as you can imagine, <laughs> from a, a month ago. Uh, really, the, the ongoing questions are what's open, what we can and can't do. It, it's not, uh, we're certainly answering every call. We may be answering it differently. We're not pushing anything aside or saying we're not going to handle it. We have found different ways to do things. And back to what I was saying, as far as reinventing, we, we have found ways that, you know, maybe we don't need to send an officer out on every call. There's another way to handle it and not only save money, it can be more timely, it can be uh, friendlier to our users, but there isn't one specific call. I, I will tell you that with times like this, 
uh, mental health issues are a little bit on the rise. People are depressed. Even people that have never seen depression before, this has sort of changed their lifestyle because the, what they were able to do that I would avoid that depression is no longer available. So we're seeing very different things come up. Uh, we're seeing people that have, we've never interacted with that this is having impact on them. Uh, also, it's, it's, it's scary for somebody who calls and the first few questions are COVID related because that determines how we respond. So in protecting our officers and really trying not to shut down the town as far as emergency services, that itself creates anxiety in our callers. Because one in the past, would you be asked, you know, are you coughing? Do you have a fever? When's the last time you traveled? Or, you know, is anybody in the house? Right off the bat, if you can imagine the anxiety of being the caller, even if that's not what you're calling for, but those are all necessary steps that need to be taken to protect the people responding or the people that we're going to assist, you know, protecting their safety. So even if there isn't the anxiety during the call, certainly after the call, they may question themselves and they'll call back and be like, you know, I thought about this or I thought about that. But I, like I said, I think our community has really come together. I've, sh I've spent a little bit of time with Mr. Marpy seeing the exact same things that he spoke about. We're, we're seeing families being families. There, there is some good that's coming out of this. There's people reconnecting. Uh, and it, it's, you know, for us, it's difficult. One of the things that I told Mr. Marpy yesterday as we went and took a look around, you know, some of the areas that where the parks are closed, how do you tell a family with four children and mother and father are playing flag football that we don't want you doing that? We, we would have encouraged that at any other time. We would have been telling people, get out there, get the exercise, spend the time with your family. So even that task is hard. It's, it's difficult. I mean, all these assets that the town has, we've closed them. But we're doing it ultimately for the better good and to actually flatten the curve. And as you can see, those numbers that Mr. Marpy, from being the epicenter and being number one, the first one to be in the 80s, it's not something anybody would use the word proud, but there's a little bit of accomplishment. It's not pride, it's accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, I'm curious, um, Jim, um, what, yeah, it's a little more personal maybe, but what's your day like? I mean, how many Zoom calls do you have a day? Uh, what is your, you know, you can't run through the whole day, but typically, uh, you know, how many meetings, how many, do you do a lot of Zoom, Zoom conferences? Yeah, I mean, uh... Uh, Zoom is uh, the new way I live, and uh, and the way uh, most of my colleagues live now. It's uh, it's interesting to me to to see how quickly we've adapted to that technology. We're now conducting public meetings that historically were in the town hall auditorium or town hall room two hundred one or whatever, and. I, under the heading, and the chief was talking a little bit about this too, uh, under the heading of maybe we start to do things differently as we move forward, uh, I must tell you the efficiency of a Zoom meeting is uh, is a lot better than the, the yeah. typical <laughs> person type meeting. Uh, and, and recognizing that a lot of that in-person stuff is the social aspect of it, but uh, things you know as well as anybody from all the meetings you attend in town hall, and thank you for all this, all you do for our community. But, you know, the, the 7.30 meeting never starts at 7.30. It starts <laughs> at 7.30 if you're lucky, and, and that's because we're all, hey, what are you doing? How, how was your weekend? Uh, this, that, the other. And then the uh, disruptive factor during a meeting, and by that I mean people talking over each other, interrupting each other, uh, the, the dis meeting discipline, most of our chairs or whatever are, are reluctant to uh, 
bring the gavel down, so to speak, and 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 force that discipline. But the Zoom kind of forces that discipline, and I yeah. I've been on enough meetings now. Uh, I, I think the uh, the the highlight for me was the, uh, the last week's RTM meeting that was conducted. I mean, the RTM is is one of the more interesting uh, uh, elected bodies we have in the sense that 36 people, uh, all with uh, at least uh, 72 points of view, and, uh, <laughs> and and watching the dynamic of that. But on Zoom, uh, to their credit, uh, people raised their hands to speak and uh, and were recognized, but for, but kept their remarks on point and and succinct. And as a result, of the meeting I thought moved quickly and efficiently and got to the, the same answer. So I think. Uh, yes, that was the Zoom question. My days, uh, uh, I think uh, Easter was the first day in about six weeks where I didn't check email very much or you know, just didn't, it, it was uh, uh, the getting, getting things ready, but with the same, the, with our staff, it's, it's, it's very much the same. This has been pretty much a uh, uh, 12 to in some cases 18 hour day type uh, endeavor uh, seven days a week since uh, since early March so uh, but that's uh, you know that's what we're called upon to do we're public servants and we uh, we expect that we'll have to be uh, doing these things I you know, none of us signed up for this particular event you can be sure uh, but then uh, I, I think again it demonstrates the the quality of the people we have that the, the the work for the town, their training, their professionalism, their experience. The other thing that's happening that's so nice is the the volunteer efforts that have taken place. Westport is a community full of people who like to take action and 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 suddenly find themselves with an extended snow day in which to take action, and uh, just the number of volunteer efforts to help other members of the community who might uh, need some help, uh, need, need a phone call, need, uh, uh, need to know what the restaurants are serving uh, to take out. Uh, and, uh, and, and to see these efforts unfold, uh, making face, ma uh, face masks to, as a uh, suddenly a community effort. I think all these things reflect so well on the nature of Westport coupled with the creativity that exists here. Uh, again, uh, the, the great logo you produced for the, uh, the food support program. I mean, it, it's uh, that, that we all, uh, I never stopped talking about Westport being so special, but that is what makes Westport so special, that uh, we can react that way and, and continue to react that way. Yeah, oh, thank you. Well, and, and hats, a hat tip, as Dan Wu would like to say, to Dan Wu himself at 06880 and Westport now, because they keep us informed. And we only have like two or three minutes left. I thought maybe I'd go back to Elaine and just, if people are listening to this and they are in need and they, they are running out of food they, or they have no food, is there a number? Is there a website? Is there, what should, where should they go? All of the above, yes. So the first thing that I would say is anybody who has a internet and a computer, it's always great to start on the town website. Um, on, the, on the red strip on the top, it says there's a COVID-19 resource button. If you click on that and you click on social services resources, you can get a complete list of um, pharmacies that deliver grocery store hours, um, 
any kind of special delivery options for any local store in the area. In addition, we have pieces on um, you know, what to do if you don't know how to pay your rent, um, where to go if you're feeling like you're having a mental health emergency. You can always call Human Services during our regular work weekend uh, week hours, which is 8.30 to 4.30 at 341-1050. They'll put you in touch with a, a clinical person, a social worker here in our department to help talk through whatever's going on, see if we can get you connected to the right resource. Um, we are really available 24-7. Um, email, you email us. We're checking the emails throughout the weekend and um, trying to get back to people as quickly as possible. And the same goes for somebody who might notice a neighbor who needs help. Um, please give us a call. Um, I think oftentimes Bodhi gets some of those frantic calls. Um, and sometimes the police department isn't the place to go unless, it, unless it's an emergency and you need something right away. Um, you can call 341-1050 and we will get back to you quite quickly and do the best we can to get you connected to the right resource. Oh, thank you. Um, so we are just about out of time. I'll throw it back to Trace. We're both, our family moved here in 1950 and I made a lame joke that this is the worst thing that we've experienced since Bill's smoke shop ran out of firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the smoke shop. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, thank you for Zekman Marpi and Fodi Koskinas, Chief of Police uh, Koskinas and Elaine Dano of Human Services. And um, thanks, Trace, for yeah, thanks, everyone. helping move thank this you. along. Appreciate, appreciate thank you. It was, it, was a, it was a privilege to be on with you. And, uh, and we're. Uh, we're proud that uh, you two are part of this community as well. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye.